Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right. Well, welcome to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. As always, I am your host, Dr. Sandoval. Happy to be here with you to discuss our faith. And the most important thing is, welcome to the clinic. This is where we discuss our spiritual health, our physical health, and our mental health. It's funny that we say we're going to discuss all three, because really it's all one and the same. We're just a human being, we're a person uh, who's composed of a body and soul. And we, just like the Trinity, we is one, but each different uh, um, persons, three persons in one Trinity. We're a human person. We're, we are uh, human beings, but we have, shall we say, kind of like three different uh, areas, three different things that we deal with as human beings. And that's our mind, our soul, and our bodies. And, you know, when one's thrown off, the other one's thrown off as well. Today's show, what I really want to focus on is a few different things. You know, here in the month of June, the month of the Sacred Heart, a lot of people are going through different things. What I've been hearing lately from our folks out there is a lot of depression, a lot of trauma, um, a lot of feeling like just really out of sorts. So today, what I wanted to focus on, a few different things. One, let's remember what the Sacred Heart is all about. Let's remember that why it is that we're praying to the Sacred Heart, why we're asking Jesus' mercy uh, through the intercession of the Sacred Heart because there's promises involved and we want to go through those promises. We want to see, you know, if you listen to my show a couple of weeks back, you know, that we talked about what does the image of the sacred heart look like? What's involved in following the sacred heart? It doesn't come without sacrifice. There's a whole lot of sacrifice. There's a whole lot of things that we can expect uh, to happen to us. We're going to be attacked. We're going to be lied about. We're going to be uh, trying to be brought down, but we're not going to allow that to happen to us. Why? because there's a whole lot of promises that come with it. Here in the month of June, there's also a lot of controversy as to, you know, who we are as people. What does it mean to be Catholic? What do people think about their own identities and who they are? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about where does that come from as far as our symbolism. You know, a lot of people are telling me, Dr. Sandoval, what's going on with the rainbow? How does that work in our Catholic faith? And we're going to look at Noah, and we're going to look at the God's promises to Noah too. This goes hand in hand because really what we're looking at is a God who is always promising us better, but we got to be willing to do our part. We got to be willing to do our part with him. And so here at the top of the noon hour, let's go ahead and start doing our part by praying to Our Lady and asking her intercession as well and St. Michael as we pray the Angelus and the prayer to St. Michael. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. 
Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, folks, let's talk about a few different things first. First, very first thing I want to address is what's the whole point of the rainbow? You know, why, why do we have rainbows? Why do we know about rainbows in the sky according to biblical tradition, according to our Catholic bi biblical tradition? Well, if we go back to the Old Testament, it wasn't too far off that in the time of Noah, men were no longer following God and we were prone to debauchery. If we look at what's going on in the Bible, men aren't following God. They're following their own needs, their own wants, uh, their lustful needs, their lustful wants. And a lot of people have been telling me, Dr. Sandoval, it sounds like our time now, our, our time here on earth now where people really aren't following a God and they're following just their own needs. Well, it's true, but I think that, you know, it's been across that, it's been across humanity that way. It's been, it's been across ages that way. It's not something new. There are no new sins. If you think about it, you know, the 10 commandments, the sins, the, the, the rules we're supposed to follow, they're set up because of our human nature and they were set up a long time ago, but yet they still apply to us today. Why is that? Why is it that we don't say, hey, you know what? You hear a lot, of, a lot of this you hear. We're in the modern world. The church has to catch up to the modern world, but the church hasn't changed its teachings. We haven't changed the commandments. We haven't changed what's expected of us. Why is that? These commandments were given to us by Christ 2,000 years ago. Actually, not by Christ, even, even older than that, right? By Moses. So if we look at the Old Testament over 2,000 years ago, we look at the Old Testament, and we see that Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the commandments. Jesus comes down and tells us, you know, I'm the new law. He doesn't say not to follow the Ten Commandments, but he says, let's simplify them. Love God before everything else, and then love your neighbor as yourself. That stands the test of time. Why? Because our human nature is the same generation after generation. Our nature doesn't change. The same way we're always going to need water to drink, we're always going to need food to eat. It doesn't change. So if you find yourself disheartened, uh, if you find yourself looking out into the world and wondering what's going on, everything's going to chaos, what am I going to do? It's really, really good to take a step back and say, you know what, there's always been sin in the world, but what part can I do? Really a good question. What can I do to contribute to the good in the world so that we can start to see the good? It's very easy to forget that there is a whole lot of sunlight that's going to penetrate this darkness. That's really what the devil wants, you know, to be on the, the center stage to look out there and to say, hey, I'm going to cover this with darkness. I'm going to make you shocked. I'm going to make it so that you feel like there's no hope anymore. Why even follow your religion when it's all really a lie? You know, he, he might present a, a small black dot that to us appears huge when the reality is there's a whole sun behind all of this. We can't forget that God is still with us. And that's the scary part. I think sometimes when we start to see all this, we start to feel alone. We really do. And we start to feel like, what's the point now? If God abandoned me, why, why shouldn't I just give in to all my sinful temptations? It's an easy trap to fall into um, because then we start to find pleasure in it. We start to feel soulless. We start to feel like, you know what? God's not here with me, so I'm just going to do whatever I want. But the reality is this is where we need to look past that. We need to say, do I stand with God or not? God hasn't gone anywhere. 
maybe times are a little bit more challenging. But if God is with me, am I with God or am I not with God? Let's look at this. If we look at the book of Genesis chapter 9, this is where it's, it starts off like this, Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. This is after the flood. Okay, so the flood's gone by. Why do I start with that? Why not start before the flood? Because right now we're going through the flood. we got to remember that there's going to be a time. We all know that the bird came back with a leaf in its beak, olive branch, right? Showing that there was land now, that there's a time of peace. But we got to remember, we're going to get there. We're going to get to that time of peace. If you're feeling like you're in turmoil, we're also going to look at the lives of a few saints. Well, we're going to discuss a few saints, not their lives in this show later on. Saints who to pray to when you're feeling depressed. You know, so I want you to definitely stick around for that because it's important to realize I'm going to trust in God, but I want to see it living in action. Other people like myself went through difficult times and we were able to get across it. But this is what God says. As soon as the flood goes by, this is what God's going to tell us as well. Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Well, what's that going to mean for us? It's going to mean, hey, you got to be witnesses to my faith. You're going to be fruitful in number. You might not have more babies, but what's going to happen is you're going to be fruitful in that by our actions, by the way we live our lives in the midst of chaos and after chaos, we're going to convert people. People are going to say, "Why? where's their happiness coming from? How is it that they still feel good? Why is it that they're not you know, distraught? Say, no, because I have God, because I have Jesus in my life, because I know what the truth is. I've been through the dark part. I've been through the flood. I've been through the darkness, and now I'm at the light, and I'm going to be fruitful in my faith. I'm going to bring people into the faith. I'm going to show people that God is all love, and that's all we need. And then we're going to fill the earth with Christians, with Catholics, with people who are going to love God. And we're going to say, hey, there's promises out here that we got to look at that remind us that God is always going to be with us. So here's what happens. The flood goes by and God says, you know what? This is going to be a new creation. It's like a brand new Adam and Eve. This is what he says. If we go on to verse number two. The fear and dread of you will fall upon all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air, upon every creature that moves along the ground and upon all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you green plants, I now give you everything. There we go, folks. I now give you everything. We might not always be going through a good time, whether it be because we're distraught with what we see in society, or whether it be because we feel like in our own lives, we're feeling depressed, we're feeling anxious, we're feeling uh, like we can't get it together, like we haven't figured things out yet. You know, what's going on with my kids? Gosh, they're not following the faith the way I hoped. What's going on with my spouse? You know, they're not doing as well. They're feeling distraught. They're depressed. Or maybe they're not going to church anymore. And I'm trying to get the kids to go to church, but my spouse isn't going. How do I set that good example? You know, I'm losing interest in my in my spouse because they're not following the faith and I'm trying to follow the faith and we're supposed to do this together and I feel all alone. Remember, folks, there's different floods that we go through. There's different crises that we go through in our lives. we got to remember what these promises are. The first thing to look at here is, God gives us everything. God's going to say, hey, you're going through a tough time, but we're going to come through this. And I'm going to start a new creation. It's going to be a brand new life for you. It's going to be a brand new life with a whole lot of abundance. When we come back for the break, we're going to keep reading and seeing where does the rainbow come in and all this? Where does God, what does the rainbow even mean? What, what does it matter? Well, let's find out more about that. Stick around after the break. 
All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about what do we do in a time of chaos? What do we do when we're feeling depressed, when we're feeling like nothing's going to get better, when we're overwhelmed by darkness in our life or perceived darkness, when we're overwhelmed by trauma in our life or perceived trauma, which is affecting us in one way or another? You know, it's really easy at that time to say, forget it. I don't care anymore. I say this all the time, you know, when my patients, when they come in and I say, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? And they say, you know, I stopped taking my medication. Well, why is that? Well, I wasn't feeling so good. And my boss was really, you know, upsetting me and things weren't going well at home. I figured who cares? You know, it's very easy to get that sense of, I'm just going to give up. No, that's what it comes down to. Are we still in the fight or are we giving up? And it really, really shows, or I should say this, I can tell where my patients are at based on how what their motivation is to continue their medication and treatment or to continue to find different treatments. And that's really what God, I think, wants us to do. Not so much to take medication, obviously, if we don't need to, but if you need to, go ahead and do whatever your doctor's letting you, advising you to do. But I think what God's really looking for in us is that fight, that sense of, you know what, I can still do this. I'm not feeling really good, but I'm going to keep praying. That's where our level of faith comes in. God wants to see how much faith do we have? You know, with Noah, he told him, build this ark. There's going to be a flood. Noah said, okay, let's do it. He could have said, I don't know what you're talking about until you show me a sign or something. I'm not going to do it. You know, and sometimes we say that we're, we're always looking for a sign, looking for something better, but no, you know, we're waiting for, for something to happen. And the reality is God's saying, I'm happening right now. There might be floods. There might be different challenges that are going to come by in your life. They're going to come your way, but where's your fight? Are you going to say, man, I give up? We're going to say, you know what? I can do this. I can keep doing this. It doesn't feel good, but I'm going to keep praying because this is where I see that God continues to keep his promises. So if we look at this, I said, the last line that we read was, everything that lives and moves will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I now give you everything. So God is telling uh, Noah and his, and his sons, hey, this whole place is yours now. You persevered. Everything is yours. Let's move on a little bit further. And he says in verse seven, as for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Again, we hear that from Adam and even the creation, be fruitful and increase in number, multiply on earth and increase upon it. Then God sent to, said to Noah and to his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. So there's a covenant, right? If the, if the whole face of the earth was washed away, he's got to set up a new people. He's got to set up a new covenant. He's saying, okay, Noah, this, now we're going to have the covenant. You're going to carry on my promise. My promise is never going to die. The question is, who's going to carry it? Who's going to carry it? Are we ready in our lives to hear God say, I now establish my covenant with you? That's a question of the day. I don't know if I'm ready to hear that. I hope I hear it, but I don't know if I'm ready because then what I mean by that is, what am I going to do? This is where faith comes in. I have to say, okay, I'm probably not going to be ready, but as soon as God says that, then I just got to go with it. I got to trust that God's going to have a hand in it as well. And so that's what he says. He says, I now establish my covenant with you and your descendants after you. And with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. He says, I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be cut off by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. So this is where it comes. He's like saying, hey, I'm going to establish my covenant with you, and we're not going to have a flood like this. 
We're not going to have a deluge like this. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant for all generations to come. It's really the simple part. He says, I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on earth. And so God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. That's pretty powerful, folks. God does give us a sign. We need to see something. We need reminders that God is there. We need reminders sometimes that we're not alone. Um, and it's hard to come by. Really, it's hard to come by those reminders because we're not always ready to see them. You know, the rainbow is beautiful because you can see it from miles away. It's up in the sky. And when does it come out? When it rains, right? What a perfect reminder. I mean, this is where God is saying, hey, it's going to rain, right? But remember, it's not going to be like the flood. So what God's even telling us in our lives is you're going to go through tough times. There's no question about it. You're going to go through times where you're not exactly sure what's going on. Gosh, my kid, they're going through mental health issues and I don't know that they don't want help. They don't want to take their medication. They don't want to go visit their doctor. They don't want to listen to me. I don't know what to do for them anymore. That's a tough time. That's really hard to do. You know, I was talking to a mom the other day who said, I'm actually really happy right now because the police picked up my son and they took him to the emergency department. I said, wow, are you okay? What's going on with that? I said, no, he suffers from bipolar, but I'm really happy because I'm hoping that this time, this time around, maybe he'll get help. He's in the emergency department. I have hope. I hope that this might be a different time. Not the first time they go, right? It's supposed to be there. Not the first time they've been prescribed medication or not the first time it's been recommended that they go to the uh, hospital. Not the first time. She says, you know, he's been there a few times, but every time he goes, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that this will be a new change for him. And that's the fire that I see really, you know, when I see this coming, that's where I see when she's telling me that, that's where I see the rainbow in the sky. That's where I see, hey, there's hope there, you know? God, the rainbow comes when there's still rain, but there's not going to be a flood. Do we have that level of hope? Do we have that level of hope that God is going to give us a promise like this, and we're going to be able to follow through on that? That's not easy to do, folks. It's not easy to do because it's overwhelming. Our human nature can be overwhelmed with anxiety and despair and depression and all these different things. And it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't make sense to us at that point to hope in God, because we start seeing the world from a different perspective. We start seeing the world from a very human perspective. And we could say that could be dangerous, or we could say that could be, you know, we'd be falling short because I'm not perfect. Nobody else is perfect. That are that lady's uh, son who went to the emergency department. He's not perfect. That lady's not perfect. But you know what I saw as perfect? Her level of hope. She said, I have faith that this time it'll be different. And she was saying directly, even, even without saying I have faith in God, she was telling me directly, you know, I have faith that it's God who's going who's gonna to take care of him. I have faith that this is going to be another time. She hasn't given up that hope in God. She's saying, I'm not sure when that time will be, but I think it'll happen. I think we'll be in a good place. It's, a, it's challenging to go through that flood. It's especially challenging to go through that flood without looking up for a rainbow. And that's really where this promise comes from. This is where the symbol of the rainbow comes from for all of humanity. I think it's hopeful whenever I see, you know, rainbows all around us. I think, well, you know, some people get discouraged. Some people say, what's going on in our world? And 
other times as Catholics, we can say, well, it's a sign of God. God is still working. To what extent uh, am I going to be able to see that? To what extent am I going to bring my faith in, in a peaceful way and talk to people who might hate me, who might try to be making fun of my faith, who might try to be bringing me down? Do I have the heart of God? Do I carry God's rainbow in my heart, that promise that there is a covenant between us and God and that he's always going to be there for us? It's not easy to be there, folks. But I'll tell you what, let's look at this. A lot of depression lately. A lot of people feeling depressed. A lot of people feeling down. Very common. You know, the most common mental illness that you're going to find is anxiety, you know, clinical anxiety. Second to which is depression. And probably about, you know, quarter of the people have depression, one out of four people. People have been on medication for it. People who work with you probably are taking medication or have been prescribed medication. You don't even know it, right? Because it's so common. Not everybody talks about it. Not everybody's going to say something about it. But at the same time, it's there. You know, depression happens. I saw this little article, which I thought was really good because it talks about four different saints um, and how they deal with depression. Let's look through those now. And then I want to tie in at the end of the show, what, what's going on with the sacred heart this month? So we've got the promises God made to Noah, but what does it have to do with the sacred heart, Dr. Sandoval? Why are, why are you talking about the promises God made to Noah and the, neighbor, and the rainbow and the, and the sacred heart? Because it's all tied in together. God has not done promising us really, really good things. But are we going to be able to see things with the eyes of faith? Well, let's see if we can look at some saints first and see who they are and see what they have to do with our lives. Um, and then are we able to change our hearts around a little bit and be open to those promises of the sacred heart, be open to the promise of God in the covenant with Noah? That still pertains to us because we're God's people. God establishes co his covenant. But let's look at this. If you're feeling depressed or if you're feeling like, you know, you're all alone, there's a great article because it gives me just four quick saints who also went through depressions, who also went through mental illness. Let's see here. This is what the article says. What is depression? Many of us know someone who has been afflicted by depression or we've experienced it ourselves. Depression is a common mental illness that is characterized by deep feelings of sadness, very true, and a loss of interest in activities that were once enjoyable. In addition to a host of other symptoms that range from insomnia, appetite changes, and even suicidal thoughts, it can impact every aspect of life from work, to family, to relationships, and one's faith. This is true. And that's really the, the scariest part there at the bottom. You know, when we start feeling depressed, it's okay to have bad days. It's okay to uh, not feel like ourselves. When is it depression? If after two weeks you've noticed that you're feeling so down that you can't get out of bed, that you're not functioning at work, that you're worried about losing your job, that you're just really not feeling like yourself, that the whole world is turned upside down and that you don't have faith in much anymore, then we got, we got a situation, you know, losing the faith. That's really part of the biggest key there. Because like I said, even when there's a flood, even when it looks like things are impossible, our faith is what's going to walk us through. It's what's going to get us to the other side, keeping that faith in God, having faith that there's going to be a light at that end of that tunnel. That's going to be important. That's, that's the key. That's going to keep us connected to God and give us hope that it's not over. It's not over yet. So now this goes on to say the American Psychiatric Association estimates that one in 15 adults experiences depression every year, and one in six will experience this mental illness at least once in their lifetime. Though a stigma against mental illness still exists today, it becomes more frequently talked about topic as people speak about their struggles and encourage others to seek help. But let's turn to the saints. 
There are several saints who are particularly inspiring to those suffering with depression. We can not only ask them for their intercession and prayers before God, similar to how we would ask a friend to pray for us, but we can also look to them as a model of their lives for assurance that suffering doesn't have the last word. That's the key, folks. Suffering does not have the last word, and that there is always hope despite the darkness we might be facing. It's important to note that if you believe you're suffering from symptoms of depression, you should seek evaluation and treatment from a mental health professional. This is true, and this is what I always encourage my listeners to do. Prayer and spirituality are valuable assets to deal with um, when it comes to mental health challenges, but they shouldn't be used instead of or in place of mental health treatment. I absolutely agree. Just like I always said, can't stop praying, you know, and you can't stop your treatment either. Remember the beginning of the show, like I said, we are body, mind, and spirit all happening at the same time. So it's not like I can tell somebody, hey, you know, if you just pray, you can pray away your, your diabetes or your cancer. Yes, I believe in miracles. These things can happen if that's what God chooses to do. But at the same time, we can't stop. We can't stop praying, but we can't just say, you know, I'm just going to pray and that's what's going to uh, help my physical health. No, God, we still need water. It's not like I can say I'm going to pray and I'm not going to need to drink water anymore. God knows what he's doing. He knows why we have medication. He knows why we have it. We're going to talk more about treatment and we're going to look at these things after the break. All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You are listening to the Dr. Luis Sandoval Show. Today, we're talking about what do we do when we're overwhelmed with negativity, overwhelmed with feelings of depression, overwhelmed feeling like everything's going to pot. There's nothing good in the world. What am I going to do when I see, you know, people making fun of my faith, when I see um, Catholics who are no longer say that they're Catholic, but are no longer following the tenets of the faith, when I see that there's our bishops who might actually seem to be lukewarm, who are not speaking out and saying, hey, I support us as Catholics. Sometimes we feel like they're not being the leaders that we're hoping for. Um, you know, administratively, that's great, but we're looking for spiritual leaders. We're looking for somebody who's willing to speak the truth uh, in spite of great opposition. And really, that's kind of the point of the bishops, right? So we look at history, we look at St. Paul or St. Peter and <clears throat> say St. Paul too, but we look at the 12 apostles, though. The original 12 apostles, they were sent off into martyrdom. They weren't sent off into a, a life of luxury or a life of uh, uh, hobnobbing with politicians and things of that nature. You know, we expect our bishops to say, hey, this is, the, this is the truth of Christ. This is what Christ told us to do. Not what, you know, the local dignitary told us to do or the person in office told us to do. That's not who we follow as Catholics. We follow Christ. And it can be overwhelming to feel like, hey, why are we talking about everything but Christ? Why is it that our prelates aren't speaking up and saying, well, this is what Christ has to say about this, in spite of great danger, in spite of great risk. You know, that's kind of what we look for. That's what we hope for. But if we're starting to feel overwhelmed, we're starting to feel depressed, let's look at four different saints who also experienced depression in their lives, who experienced mental health hardships. And heck, maybe they can be a model for us to say, I can get better too. I can improve. Or how do I navigate my life even though I'm not feeling better? How do I continue to navigate my life for Christ? So the first saint is called Saint Dymphna. So if anybody's never heard of Saint Dymphna, she is the patron saint of depression. So this is what the article says on her. St. Diphna is the patron saint of those who struggle with depression or anxiety, which is why she's perhaps the most well-known and called-upon saint for mental illness. It's probably true. She is she's the first one when it comes to, you know, when I speak to psychiatrists or colleagues in mental health care, uh, St. Diphna is always right there. Uh, she's right up there for us. She lived during the 7th century in Ireland. 
Her father was not Catholic, and her mother died when she was relatively young. Let's see what it says here. After her mother's death, Divna's father experienced severe mental, mental illness, and in his psychosis, wanted to marry Divna to replace her mother. Well, that has got to be confusing as all get out. And this is what happens, folks. This is where I think anybody who's lived with a loved one who's experienced mental illness, they know what's happening here. They, they've seen this. They say, anybody who has an experience might be going, oh my gosh, that's too weird. That's off. You know, especially, and of course it is, you know, how can, how can a father all of a sudden want to marry his daughter? But when mental illness is severe enough, when the psychosis is severe enough, the person's not, not thinking straight. They're not going to be thinking clearly. So then what does it say? It says St. Divna refused her father's propositions and fled to Belgium and ultimately was beheaded by soldiers commanded by her father. What a life. This is where we got to ask ourselves, how is this possible? Why is this even, you know, what happened here? St. Divna, all of a sudden her dad is not mentally well, right? And what, what does he do? He's got the command of soldiers, and as she runs away, she had the courage to run away. That's got to be tough, because you're running away from your father. Aren't we supposed to respect our parents? Or does the fourth commandment tell us, honor your father and mother? To what point? To the point where, if you know that something's going on here where I'm going to do something sinful or against God's nature, I better get away. And that's what she did. She had the courage to say, no, I'm not going to do this. Even though she ran away, though, she was unfortunately beheaded. But why is she a saint? because she kept her hope in God regardless of the consequences. I think this is what we're talking about when we're saying, hey, our prelates have to look around. And even if the, our leaders appear to be mentally ill, if they appear to not be thinking clearly, if they appear to be asking us to do things that go against our faith, sometimes we need to run away or you know, speak up for ourselves, even if it means that we're going to be beheaded at some point. That's a tough position to be in. But St. Diphna is someone who gave us an example of, hey, I'm going to keep following God and I'm not going to follow mental illness. I'm not going to follow somebody, even if it's my own father. I'm not going to follow his directive because I know better. I know what God wants. And I'm going to have to escape regardless of the consequences because ultimately my, my whole uh, goal is heaven, not earth. I got to get to heaven. And if that means that I have to die for my faith, that's how it's going to have to happen. Let's look at another saint, St. Benedict Joseph Lebray. Article says Saint Benedict, uh, Benedict Joseph Lebray was born in France in 1748 as one of 18 children. That's a lot of kids. That's a beautiful family, 18 children. The deepest desire of his youth was to become a priest. So he left home at a young age to study with his uncle, who was a priest. His uncle died, however, and Benedict subsequently tried and failed 10 times to join various religious communities. Well, let's see what happens. So he finally joins one. When he was finally accepted into a religious community, the way of life proved detrimental to his mental health, and he left after a neurosis made it impossible for him to continue. Well, how many times has this happened to us, folks? We think we want something. We have the desire in our hearts. It says here that St. Benedict Joseph Lebray, he tried to enter the priesthood in 10 different, you know, very 10 times to join various communities was not happening. How many times do we say, no, this is what I want. This is what's going to happen for me. I'm going to keep trying. I'm going to keep trying. It finally happens. And then all of a sudden he fell into a neurosis. We think we got what we wanted. And all of a sudden there's conflict. There's evil of some sort. Something's out of sorts. Has that ever happened to anybody out there? Happens all the time. He ended up with a neurosis, made it impossible to continue. 
But then it says this, he found his true vocation, however, in becoming a pilgrim. So that's another thing to consider, folks. Sometimes we think we have our vocation. We're going to follow God. We think we know what the, the clear path between in front of us, and we're going to do this, and we're going to do that, and we think we're following it. And all of a sudden, God says, nope, I've got a different path for you. That's not what it, that's, you're kind of on the right path, but I've, I need something different from you. And all of a sudden, we find out what our true vocation is. There's what we think our vocation is, and then there's what God says, nope, this is what your vocation is. So this is what he says, or this is what happened to him. He found his true vocation, however, in becoming a pilgrim. He went on pilgrimage, pilgrimages to all the major shrines in Europe. He was living in poverty along the way. He spent the last six years of his life in Rome. He was sleeping in the Colosseum at night and praying in various churches. Those who knew him in Rome quickly began recognizing him as a saint. And after his death at age 35, he was canonized in 1881. He is also the patron saint of the homeless. Well, hey, that's a great patron saint to know if we're going to look at the patron saint of the homeless. We know that there's been a big increase in our homeless population. Uh, and St. Benedict Joseph Lebray sounds like he had his heart in the right place. He was homeless too, but he had his heart in the right place. He was going to pray. He was doing good. He found his true vocation as just being a pilgrim. He was canonized a saint. It's funny how God uses our lives if we allow it to happen. I think God saw the fire in St. Benedict Joseph Lebray's heart. He saw that, gosh, you want to keep joining the priesthood. You want to keep doing this. You have a big loving heart for me. But sometimes we don't know what we don't know. We don't know if he would have joined the priesthood and, and changed or not been as holy. And God said, with that kind of fire, I'm going to send you on pilgrimages. What I wonder is, are some of the prayers that he was doing during his pilgrimages are those helping me today? Is God sending some of that my way? Don't forget, folks, whatever we do now, I'm sure those prayers can be held and God can use them any way he wants. He can send them into the future and, and use them for people in the future. He can help, use them to help out people in the present, and he can even use them to help out people in the past, believe it or not. So everything's before God. There's no there's no space and time. We limit ourselves in space and time. But I wonder if St. Benedict, with all his uh, all his pilgrimages to all the major shrines in Europe, you know that when you're on pilgrimage, you're just praying. You're in constant prayer. You're constantly asking God for reparations. You're asking him for graces to be shed on the, all over the world. I wonder if he did that for us. I wonder how many of us are receiving some of those graces that he sent out. That's got to be a hopeful sign in times of feeling depression or despair, right? So these are things to consider. Let's look at the next saint, St. Louis Martin. St. Louis Martin is best known for being the saint father of the beloved St. Teresa Lisieux. Right? So the little flower, this is her dad. He is a model for holy fatherhood. And boy, we need that today, don't we, folks? We need to look at what holy fatherhood is. We need to look at what's the role of the dad now, or what's always been the role of the dad. But what's the role of the dad in society and the family life? We forget the impact that dads have. You know, we look at Mother's Day and we say, oh, moms are great. But let's look at the role of the father. That's a big deal. It says this, so he is the role model for holy fatherhood. And he and his wife, are the only married couple ever canonized by the church, but he also may have experienced depression later in life. All five of his daughters grew up to join convents and his wife died when she was only 45, right? And at that age, St. Teresa was four years old. So he began to display symptoms of mental illness not long after St. Therese entered the convent. After experiencing symptoms of dementia, depression, speech impediments, episodes of fear, and even running away for days at a time, he was eventually placed in a mental hospital. This is what happens, folks. Just like I was saying, you know, that, that lady I knew, her son went to the hospital. He's got a history of bipolar disorder. 
How many of us know people like this? How many of us people know people who suffer from mental illness? They have depression, they have episodes of fear, they run away for days and they end up in the mental hospital. Do we have that hope that it's a good thing? Let's go on to see what this says. It says, while he is a patron saint of widowers and parents, he also knew what it was like to experience depression, making him a great saint to turn into to turn to in the midst of mental health struggles. Remember folks, just because people are in the hospital with mental health doesn't mean that they don't have a path to sainthood or that their life is over. Sometimes it feels that way. Sometimes we dismiss people. We say, oh, that guy's in jail. That guy's in the hospital. That guy's in a mental hospital. And we forget they still got to work towards sainthood just like we do, you know? And sometimes if you think about it, we're all in our different prisons. We're all in our different hospitals. I don't have to be in the hospital building to be sick and to need healing. Yeah, the hospital is the extreme form of that that we see, but how many of us are in our own sick bed? Every time we go to bed at night and we're not feeling good and we don't tell the world about it, how many of us need treatment? You know, how many of us are in our own mental health hospital uh, without being in a hospital? How many of us in our minds and our in our hearts are not at peace, are feeling depression, are feeling off? It's no different, right? Where everybody's got different different ways of of being trapped, if you will, some physically, some emotionally, some mentally. Um, but when it comes to all this, this is where we've got to have that hope. This is where I want to look up and see that rainbow and say, wait a minute, God still has a covenant for me. God still establishes that covenant with us, which means something good's going to happen in my life, which means that if I have hope, God is still going to use me in a way that's going to be very positive and that's going to influence other people to look towards God as well. I hope that can happen. I hope we can keep that hope. But when we come back from the, from the break, folks, we're going to look at one more saint and then we're going to look at the promises of the sacred heart and why we should turn our focus to the sacred heart and link that to the promises and the covenant God made to Moses. How does the rainbow grow in our own sacred heart? All right, folks, welcome back to Virgin Most Powerful Radio. You're listening to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show. Today we're talking about what do we do when we feel completely overwhelmed with depression, with darkness, with hopelessness. Where is our faith? Do we keep our faith or do we let it go? Hope we keep it because that's the key to coming out of that dark tunnel. That's the key to uh, getting outside of ourselves more than anything else. That's the important part to remember even in the darkest parts of our life, there's something better outside. There's something better beyond us. We're talking about a few saints who struggled with mental illness or had experiences with mental illness in their families. And that happens to a lot of us, right? If we're not ourselves struggling with mental illness, a lot of us have family members who are struggling with mental illness, some uh, not so severe and others pretty severe where you end up in the hospital or some people actually worry about their safety, about their lives, uh, because it can be pretty dangerous out there. Well, the last saint from this little article, and I'm going to go ahead and link that article to uh, our our video, is St. Jane Francis de Chantal. St. Jane lived from 1572 to 1651 in France and was born to wealthy parents. She married and had four children herself, but her husband died in a hunting accident. After this, she fell into a deep depression, which was made worse when her difficult father-in-law insisted that she and her children move in with him. How many times does this happen? We start getting moved around and and, uh, put in places we don't want to be. She saw a spiritual director and guess who she met? She met St. Francis de Sales. Who knows St. Francis de Sales? He's an amazing saint, lots of books. And it says that when he came into her town during Lent to preach a retreat, um, he she met him and he offered guidance and counsel that helped her encounter the love and mercy of God. His work, so his book, Introduction to De- Devout Life, 
gave her great peace. Now, you know what's interesting here? This is what's interesting. And we, we might see it as kind of strange. We might say, wow, two saints came together into each other's sphere and space. So St. Jane is there, St. Francis is there. And all of a sudden they meet each other. And I think from the outside looking in, we kind of see it like two movie stars, two superstars, all of a sudden are in the same place. Wow, that's amazing, two saints. Well, this is a great reminder that we're all called to be saints. We're all called to sainthood. And really, we need to look at ourselves that way. When I'm in the presence of someone else, what does Christ say? We're two or more gathered in my name. I'm present there. That's what happens with saints, right? You come in the name of Jesus. Everybody comes in the name of Jesus. Good things happen. I think when we're in each other's presence, we got to look at each other and say, wow, we're in the presence of saints. Not in an egotistical way. Not in a way that says, oh, I'm so holy, look at me. But that's what God calls us to. I got to be a saint. I got to follow Christ. I'm going to follow Christ. This person who I'm in their presence is going to follow Christ. We're going to follow Christ together. Ah, good things are going to happen. There's going to be miracles that are going to happen. I'm going to be inspired. I might inspire them. You know, I might be St. Jane or I might be the St. Francis someone. You never know. That's the beauty of our faith. That's the beauty of the communion of saints is that we're all connected through Christ. That's where our hope lies. That's where the rainbow is still there. That's where we are still God's people. we got to remember that God still has his covenant with us. How do we know that? Well, if we look at the gifts, or excuse me, the promises of the Sacred Heart, this is what it comes down to this month. Why do I say this? Because in the midst of darkness, Noah was in the flood, and God gave him the rainbow. Is it over? Was that just for for Noah, or does God promise still continue? It still continues, folks, from here to eternity, from every generation that's born. God's promise is still going to continue. He's not going to be done with it. He's not going to end it. He's going to say, hey, this is for every single person. And even if your grandchild was the only person on earth, these promises still apply. He promises so much so that I'm going to send you my son. I'm not done sending you good things. I'm going to send you Jesus Christ. And he's going to die for your sins so that you can make it to heaven. Well, Jesus says, if uh, as, as he said to St. Margaret Mary, if you follow my sacred heart, if you keep that devotion to my sacred heart, there's more rainbows to come, if you will. In fact, I've got 12 rainbows for you, 12 promises, shall we say, from the sacred heart. Each of these is a rainbow. Each of these is looking up at a rainbow in the midst of a flood saying, wow, God's keeping his promises. Let's look at what those promises are. Because in this month of June, let's not lose sight of where our hearts are. Is my heart with the heart of Christ? Well, let's look at the first promise. It says, I will give them all the graces necessary in their state of life. That's pretty key. All the graces necessary in their state of life. God's not going to hold back. God never holds back, saying, this is what you're going to need right now. This is where you are in life. This is what you're going to need. Then he says, that's number one, rainbow number two. I promise number two, if you will. I will establish peace in their homes. We just heard about cases of mental illness, about people not feeling good, about their homes having chaos. Jesus is promising us that if we have our devotion to the sacred heart, he's going to establish peace in our homes. I will comfort them in their afflictions. What does that mean? I mean, we can look at this and we can say, well, I don't need comfort. I need you to fix fix my affliction. Mm, I think God thinks more highly of us than that. God is saying, I'm going to come myself. I am going to be there for you while you're walking through it. Imagine going through something dark and having a good friend. Don't we always turn to somebody if I'm not feeling good or something bad's happening in my life? Don't I, I go talk to my wife, call a friend. I need to be in contact with somebody because I need improvement in my life. And he's saying, I will be there one to comfort you. Now, if I get good results from talking to a friend, if I feel more at peace after talking to a friend, how much better than having Christ next to me saying, hey, I'm going to guide you through this. 
I'm going to show you exactly what you're going to do. Yeah, you're going to go through it, but I'm going to be there guiding you through it. That's an incredible promise. That's an incredible rainbow in my heart right there. That's for sure. So let's see here. Let's look at promise number four, rainbow number four. I will be their secure refuge during life and above all in death. I'll take that. Think about it. In fact, that last part in death, refuge during life, absolutely I'll take it because again, we feel like we're navigating really, really dark waters. But you know what? I don't know what that bridge is like to cross over to the other side. We hear stories. We hear stories about people who come back from either heaven or in purgatory and tell us, you know, this is what you want to lead your life. This is what's going to happen. This is what happens at the moment of death. We hear stories that that's also when great saints are tempted and that we're trying, you know, the devil tries to take us away from Christ. But he's saying, this is what Jesus is saying. He said, you have a devotion to my sacred heart. I will be a secure refuge during your life and above all in death, which means that you got it made. We got it made. I don't have to worry about all these things. I don't have to worry about being tempted in the last moment. Jesus himself is my refuge. He's the one who's going to open the door. What's what's my goal for heaven to get there with Christ? And he's saying, I'm going to be your refuge. I'm going to make it, I'm going to make it so that you make it into heaven. Let's look at promise number five. I will bestow abundant blessings upon all their undertakings. Which means that how many times do we start something and we start uh, uh, you know, a, a new project in our life, a new job? We're not sure what's going to happen. Jesus is saying, I'm going to give you blessings as you uh, as you start this undertaking. Obviously, it's got to be something that's within his will, something that with, within uh, his purview, something that's going to bring glory to God. And he's saying, I'm going to give you blessings as you do that. It can be scary to start something new. It can be scary to start uh, a new family. It can be scary to start a new relationship. You're starting a date. But if I turn to the sacred heart, he's going to bless that. Jesus is going to bless that. I'll take it. I'll take that any day of the week. That's I'll take that any time. What better than Christ blessing our endeavors? That's a big deal. That's that's a big deal right there. Let's look at promise number six. Rainbow number six says, sinners will find in my heart the source and infinite ocean of mercy. Why do we need that mercy? At some point, we're going to recognize that we're not perfect. And we're going to look at what we've done in the name of success or in the name of the law or in the name of moving ahead in life or in the name of I got to improve or whatever it is. Sometimes we'll make people be little people, step on people, say bad things about people, gossip to move ahead ourselves. That's pretty sad, but this happens. I see it happen all the time. And what's Jesus saying? He's saying that sinners will find that his heart is a source of infinite mercy. If we've ever been the one to do that, we're going to come to a realization that, gosh, I messed up. I messed up really badly. And once we come to that realization, it can be a really dark place. It can be a hard place, especially if we're going at it alone. But Jesus is saying, "Mm, what you're going to find is when you recognize your sinfulness, you're going to find that my heart is a soul of infinite mercy. That's going to be comforting, folks. That's going to be something where we say, gosh, this this feels awful right now. I realize what I did, but I'm going to turn to the sacred heart because he, through his mercy, my sins will be forgiven. This will go away. I will be made new. Not that I'm amazing, but I'm amazing through Christ. And that's really what it comes down to there when it comes to mercy. Let's look at number seven. Lukewarm souls shall become fervent. Through our devotions, I believe that we can convert people. I believe that we can convert hearts. I believe that we can get other people to also look at their sinfulness and look at the sacred heart as their refuge. It's important to do, um, not because I think I'm great, but I think that if we can be the vehicle for that, that we can allow God to work through us, 
I got to look at my own perfections too. I can't go up to somebody and say, hey, you got to change your ways. Remember what Christ tells us. You got to look at the log in your eye before you take out the thorn in your brother's eye, right? So I got to look at myself first. I can't say I'm perfect, but if in my imperfection, I'm still trying to get to Christ, still trying, still struggling, shall we say, to get to Christ, I think other people will see that and they'll say, hey, I don't know what this guy is. I don't know about his sins or whatnot, but I see that fire that he's got for Jesus. I see that fire that he's got, that he wants to move closer to Christ. There's got to be something about that. You know, we ignore the world and we start moving towards Christ. Things are going to change for us. Things are going to change for the better. Let's look at the next promise. Only a few more to go. Fervent souls shall quickly mount to high perfection. This is what we're talking about, right? This is just what I said. Hey, I'm not going to worry about what the world's doing. I'm going to have a fervent soul. My soul is going to be on fire for Christ. And if I do this through the sacred heart, I'm going to quickly mount to a high perfection. What that tells me is that Christ is going to let me see things, know things, not in a creepy spiritual way, but in a way that he's going to guide my life. And I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to be more prudent. I'm going to see that just because I can do this, that doesn't mean I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to reach higher levels of perfection just because everybody else is doing something. I'm going to know that that doesn't pertain to me. Just because everybody says, hey, you got to go see this movie. I'm going to say, hmm, that probably is not a good movie for me to see. You know, I'm going to reach that high level of perfection because I'm going to be fervent in my heart. That's really important. That's really important because aren't we all trying to reach some level of excellence? Aren't we all trying to have peace in our lives, order in our life, excellence in our lives? I think that that's the perfection. When we have that, we're reaching closer to God. Nothing else is going to matter. Things are going to fall into place in our lives. We have to believe that. We have to believe that through our devotion to the sacred heart, Jesus is going to take care of that. We don't even have to do anything. Jesus is the one who's going to help us do that naturally. That's pretty important, folks. Let's look at number nine. I will bless every place in which an image of my heart is exposed and honored. How many of us have a sacred heart out there? How many of us have an image of the sacred heart, a stamp of the sacred heart, uh, you know, a statue, something? We've got to have that, folks. We've got to have that reminder so where Jesus is honored. He's going to bless the place. It's just going to happen. Three more to go here in the last minute of the show. Number 10, I will give to priests the gift of touching the most hardened hearts. That's beautiful, folks. The most hardened hearts. He's going to allow priests to touch them. Number 11, those who shall promote this devotion shall have their names written in my heart. That's pretty cool. If I can have my name written in the heart of Christ, I've got it made. Nothing else is going to matter. It's not going to matter what happens in this world. It's not going to matter what people say. My name is written in the heart of Christ. And the last one is, I promise you in the excessive mercy of my heart that my all-powerful love will grant to all those who receive Holy Communion on the first Friday, first Fridays in nine consecutive months the grace of final perseverance. They shall not die in disgrace or without receiving the sacrament. Folks, there you have it. God keeps his promises to us from all eternity, whether it be the rainbow that he gave to Noah, or the rainbow that he keeps giving us in our hearts through the sacred heart to our devotion to him. And until next week, I say, keep it Catholic.